1: We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share
0: tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 245 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I'm great, and I'm excited about this episode today because I get to interview you, which is yes. kind of fun. And we get to talk about something that um, we get a lot of questions about this actually, and I just think there's a lot of curiosity, especially from people whose kids aren't in school yet or maybe are going into preschool. Mm-hmm. And that is about volunteering at your school or being involved, school involvement in in general, in a way mm-hmm. that works for you and your personality, your schedule like what you're good at and what you mm-hmm. like to do, um, those are also important, right? So yeah. I'm excited to talk to you because I know this is something that's changed a lot for yeah. you over the last few years.
1: Yeah, since we started, when we started this podcast, I had a toddler at home full-time, a part-time preschooler, and a first grader. So I was truly at the very beginning of real school parenting years. So in the almost five years that we've been doing this, now I have I've had all three kids in full-time school for a couple of years. One of them's in middle school. And it is something I think a lot about. I I personally am someone who, if I'm gonna give time, give volunteer time, I really want and need it to like work for my life and my and, and my personality and, and my skill sets. And maybe that sounds kind of like self-oriented, but um, I think it it's allowed me to sustain a volunteer energy for longer because I've figured out ways to do it that work for me. And I think there's, yeah. you know, it, it can be totally daunting when you're first becoming a school parent because there's so many opportunities and most parents really want to be involved and, and help their kids and help their kids' teachers. But there's like a million ways that can look. So I'm excited about this.
0: You're really right. I mean, it can be an ongoing, regular thing. Can be something you do from home. It can be something that you do kind of randomly, like as a one-off, because there's a need or you just have some time. And I know we'll dig into like how that's looked for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to kind of give people a glimpse of where I am yeah. right now, I have a fifth grader, an eighth grader, and a tenth grader, and then two adult kids. And my kids have gone through a lot of different school situations. Um, the two oldest started in Montessori preschool, then they went to two different parochial schools in elementary. Then they landed at the elementary um, public elementary school that all five of my kids ended up up attending and in the same system. And right now I'm doing like almost nothing. (laughs) My school involvement is like, maybe there's been one thing this year a teacher's asked for help with that I've done. And some of that has been purposeful. I think I took a step back because my life kind of blew up and things got really chaotic. But I also think some of it was just inertia. Like, I just kind of like didn't do it. And when you just don't do something for a while, it's hard to get back in that mindset. I think it's funny how you mentioned, Sarah, that like for you, it has to fit your skill set and in your personality and your lifestyle, which totally for me too. But the other thing, I have a really hard time doing things when I don't understand the impact I'm making. Mm,
1: I think that's a great point. And that's a great personality like trait to know about yourself.
0: Yes. So it's like if I'm doing something and I kind of feel like it doesn't actually need to be done and someone's just keeping me busy because they think I want to be there, like that is just a recipe for. I don't even know, burnout's not the right word, boredom, mm-hmm. okay? and just not feeling engaged with what I'm doing. So over the years, I've had some volunteer things that have felt really successful and others where I'm like, why am I even here? Right. <laughs> and that can that can apply to both working in the school or even on other kinds of volunteer works and boards and things like that.
1: Well, I'm excited also to pick your brain a little because this is your last year as an elementary school parent, which is crazy. Uh, I, know. And I think it's like 50. 50- oh. 15 years, more than 15 years that you've had somebody in elementary school. I would think if my yeah, math Yeah. So is Jacob
0: right. would have started elementary school in 2003, I believe. Yeah.
1: So that's like 17 oh years of God. elementary school parenting. Um, But what I was going to say is the part that I'm not familiar with yet is what parental involvement looks like as kids move on. And I know you'll talk about that in a little bit too, because it's very different. Um, But as always on this show, I think it's fun to kind of, zoom out a little bit and like talk about the long game here and just talk about our our own experience. So I will say up front that I've been at two different private preschools, both Montessori and two different public elementary schools. And I know that I represent only one part of the country, one type of school. So it looks different everywhere. But I am excited to kind of share the last few years of what I've been involved with. And also I'm kind of ready for a change. So I'm going to talk about that as well, because nothing, nothing is forever when it comes to maybe
0: you'll and maybe you'll inspire me a little bit because I will say like now that, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes when a chapter is closing, it kind of feels like the opportunities associated with that chapter are going away. But that would be my elementary school years. But that's too bad because a lot of parents feel that way or a lot of parents go back to work more full time when Mm -hmm. their kids are getting older. And so middle schools really need help. Yeah. And they don't get the parental um, the parental involvement at nearly the same level. At least that's my understanding from middle school teacher friends. And yeah. They just they have a, they have lots of needs at that level um, and just not that same big crop of parents yeah. that are available or wanting to take it on.
1: Well, and I think burnout is a real factor. And that's something I want I'm interested in talking about, too, is kind of sustaining <laughs> sustaining your desire. Um, So I think people feeling like they've done all they could and they need a break (laughs) is also probably a factor, not just in middle school, but I think in later elementary school as well. Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option.
0: Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion, and because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get.
1: And I love that Bionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Bionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair.
0: Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at BionicShoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor Haya is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered chewable vitamin, was created.
1: That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one.
0: Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash momhour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah, so we're going to kick this off with a question that kind of just got our minds going about this topic. Mm -hmm. Um, Jessica wrote in and said, I have a question about school volunteering. She just said possibly for Sarah, because Mm -hmm. as everyone knows, I don't do any of that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask me about it. Uh, Jessica says, I already volunteer at my son's school in the classroom one hour per week, but I'm interested in proposing a project to the school. Sarah, I know you've shared that you volunteer in the library, but wonder if that was a defined volunteer position or if it was something you developed with the school. My son's school has an overgrown garden space that may have been used in the past, but it's become quite sad. I ate lunch there with him one day last year during a warmer month, and the kids were so excited to eat lunch out in the garden. I want to approach the school to see if this could be a volunteer project to revitalize and refresh it. I'm not even sure how to go about it. So I'm looking to snag some inspiration. So Sarah, I'm, mean, first of all, I have to feel like your school is going to be like, yes, please. Yes, but...
1: that's the short answer is <laughs> yes, please. Is,
0: yes, please. But Sarah, I know that, you had your library volunteer position last year. Was that something that, like, you know, to Jessica's point, does yeah. that something you stepped into or did you kind of create it?
1: Uh, a little both, but mostly I created it, which is why I thought it'd be kind of a good place to start answering her question. So Jessica, I'm not trying to be like, let's talk about me now. Uh, we'll Great come,
0: opportunity, Jessica, we'll, <laughs> to talk about myself.
1: <laughs> we'll come around <laughs> to the garden, which, as Megan said, is yes, you, you, if you feel like you can do that, that would be. Such a cool way to help your school, um, so our our school was brand new we're in our fourth year, and so the school itself was brand new it 's a public charter. We share campus with another public charter school we 're not affiliated with them, but we share some facilities, including a library. so the first year that we were both both schools shared this campus, uh, I was not involved, and I here tell that it was a bit chaotic trying to figure out um, how to share the schedule in this uh, shared library. The inventory, the books themselves actually belong to the other school. They really inherited them. But contractually, they have to let our school in. It's really it's there's some there's some politics in there. There's some a lot of logistics. Um, And so I came in in year two of our school and both schools shared use of the library. And all I was hearing about was and I should back up when I say I came in, I went to one meeting where they were needing some parents to kind of spearhead different areas that weren't already covered by PTSA. Um, And so PTSA does really great things at our school for fundraising and like spirit uh, events and the gala that raises a lot of money. But there was a few areas that weren't covered under that jurisdiction that they needed parent help. And so I kind of raised my hand for library, not not exactly knowing what was involved, but knowing, of course, I love kids and books and I'm pretty good with like logistics and that kind of thing. Um, and so I really did. Uh, I volunteered myself and then I kind of grew the position um, to what has been. This is my third year doing it. Um, and through that, I did learn several things about how to kind of do something from scratch. And it was mostly from scratch because what I walked into was mostly. um tension and like bad news from the year before. You know, like did mm, our yeah. our two schools not figuring out like what like if someone loses a book, who pays for it and how do you like reach out? Like there were no systems in place at all. So yeah, I I did kind of step into something that I had to create from scratch and that I have learned a lot from that. And I also before we get too far into this, I want to say for the record that while this position came to me when I had three kids mostly in school full time, I did very, very little school volunteering at this level until then. So if you're out there with babies and toddlers at home, I this was new to me. Even though I wasn't a new mom, this level of school involvement was new to me because I purposely stayed out of the game until I until my youngest was in school, at least in preschool down the road. And then I really stepped it up when she actually came to the same school and then all my kids were in the same place. So that's just kind of like Just a a side note because uh, I had many years where I could have been doing something like this and I did not because I didn't feel ready. So
0: well, especially because I mean, you would have had. I know for a lot of parents, you would have maybe one or two other little ones at home, so you have to get childcare for them to go volunteer or have them like running around. Yeah, you know the school library. And (laughs) I did a lot more. No, they don't like that. (laughs) I had a. um, I did a lot of volunteering in the Montessori preschool when my oldest was there. So he was like three. And then Isaac was a toddler. And I was, I kind of liked having something to go do with him and whatever thing I was doing. I don't even remember what I was doing, but whatever I was doing, it was toddler friendly. But also like that environment was unique. Mm-hmm. There weren't a lot of other places that were like, yeah, bring your 18 month old. Mm-hmm. Like the older the kids got and the more into public school they got. So that yeah. also changes things a yeah. lot. Um one thing you touched a little bit on and we'll probably talk about this a little bit more later, um, is the fact that this was a new school, like mm-hmm. a school startup. Um, charter school and the fact that like i had a, a similar experience where my kids were in, in chicago briefly in a parochial school that almost ran like a charter and mm-hmm. it was new and like totally renewing itself and trying to revitalize and get a lot more parental involvement and what i noticed was that the opportunities there were a lot more appealing to me than they have been since then in the public school mm-hmm. where there's a very like yep a system that's already been created that everyone already does, and the people, the players are all in place. Mm-hmm. But the workload is huge. <laughs> yes. So, like, there is more opportunity to make it your own and put your stamp on it. But the work, lo- like, once you were in, they were going to get everything they could out of you if they could do it. Yeah, so,
1: like, yeah, <laughs> I think that's so accurate. And when you were talking earlier about wanting to see that you're making a difference, that's one area where, uh, you know, volunteering at our school has been super rewarding because the need has been high. And I have to say, being in year four, where that entrepreneurial startup spirit is starting right. to go more to like, OK, we do know what we're doing. I can see new parent involvement starting to wane a little bit because of exactly what you said. The, the perceived need is less and the established players are in place. And of course, now the good news is we have some systems in place. But uh, for someone to step in and make a huge difference and like you said, get that rewarding feeling of having actually really contributed something, it's a, it's a perception, I think, but it's an important perception.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I know this is something that we're going to keep talking about throughout, but like, let's touch on that that whole personality thing, because yeah. honestly, a lot of moms probably would feel more comfortable plugging into an established system where they don't have to start anything from scratch mm-hmm. and they don't have to reinvent the wheel. And there's maybe not that uh, level of responsibility on them because they have so much else mm-hmm. going on. It's like, just get in here and do the thing we already told you to do and you'll be fine. Like, show up your three hours a week and do the thing and you're good. And then there's going to be other people who like, that's not what they want at all. They want to blaze a trail or they want to be in charge of something or they want to feel like what they're doing is really moving the needle. And just to acknowledge that like whatever, wherever you are on that spectrum, that's okay. And so if you find yourself in a volunteer position and you're just like, this is not fun or I'm super stressed or I'm super bored, it might just be that where you've plugged in is not the right place.
1: Yeah. And I've been those different examples that you just went over. I've been that same mom at different points in my in my school mom career. So even with the same personality, I've had different bandwidth and different interests uh, at different times. So,
0: yeah. okay. so is there anything that you learned from this that you'd recommend to Jessica or someone like Jessica um, when trying to find their volunteer role at the school or maybe invent one from scratch?
1: Yeah, I have a couple of things that I made note of. Um, And one is because I am I I can sometimes make the false assumption that there is an existing authority or an existing system <laughs> in place because that's kind of how my brain works. And I think, well, there must be somebody must have thought this through already. Like, just show me the manual and what I have learned in a startup, but even not in a startup school, because schools are they have so much on their plate. So don't assume that. Someone already knows how to do this. And I mean that actually in a good way. You may more so if if we use the community garden example or the school garden example, um, there she may need to go, Jessica may need to go with a plan or with um, a suggested plan. I don't mean bulldoze in with like architectural plans, but don't make the assumption that there's an existing authority or committee on this because I sometimes have done that. um, And it's made me more tentative when in fact I, I, Got to be the one to come up with the system. Um, so I think I sometimes defer too soon out of the assumption that there's kind of an existing structure. So that's one thing. Um, the, another thing that came up for me was it's really helpful to learn who the key players are at your school. And that, um, depending on your school, that might be administration and staff, or it might be an existing volunteer body like the PTA but I have found it most helpful kind of to go right to the source whenever possible. Um, not everything has to go through committee. And sometimes I think what you'll find is a lot of people with a lot of great ideas, but if you have something really specific to offer in this case, she has a really specific idea, or maybe you have a really specific skill set. You're a photographer, you're a graphic designer, or one time we ended up with all these extra business size envelopes in our garage. And I was like, Mm. a school must need these. Um, if you are newer or more tentative, it can be tempting to kind of ask around and you might get a bunch of different answers. But I don't think you need to be afraid to shoot an email right to the principal and just say, hey, I have this specific idea or I have this this these boxes of envelopes in my garage. Where's the best place to take this? Um, and I think the reason for that is you can get the information faster. And I don't think you need to be intimidated by going right to the PTA president or the principal or whoever, whoever you think is in charge. Um, well,
0: and sometimes bringing things up in a group is just inviting more discussion. Yeah. And like too many cooks in yes. the kitchen sometimes. So if you want discussion and to bounce ideas around, that's when you bring it to a group. Right. right. But like if if you just want to do something.
1: Yes. Yes. I think that's Maybe I think not. that's a great distinction. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing I was going to say about going right to the principal is uh, the the leaders of your school or the leaders of your PTA are probably the most time strapped in terms of being able to help you execute. So while they may be able to first point you in the right direction, whether that's budget approval or yes, you can do this, they're probably not the ones to ask a bunch of follow-up questions too, or to, again, I come back to, I think I was more tentative than I needed to be in the early days. I needed to just take charge. So just remember that often um, executing a volunteer project is more work and more time than a lot of people at your school have on their plate. Otherwise they would be doing it already. So yeah. like for me in the library example, one of the biggest you know, contributions I make is making a schedule for other volunteers. Because it's not that we don't have the volunteer manpower. It's that somebody needed to step into a role where they were in charge of making the shifts. OK, let's figure out when each classroom visits the library. How many volunteers do we need in the library at that time? And I made shifts like like I would if I were managing a restaurant or like a, I made, you know, volunteer shifts and I made the yeah. sign up sheet in our system. So sometimes what you have to offer is may not be the thing itself, but may be managing it. And if what I just described sounds horrible to you. That's just because that's not your skill set, then you would find something else to do. But for me, that was one of the biggest ways I could contribute. It actually had nothing to do with the library books or reading to the kids. They needed someone to put the rest of the volunteer logistics pieces together. So that was something I learned. And I think that could apply to the community garden as well.
0: Um, That's all really good advice. I want to add one little thing to your your advice not to assume there's an existing authority or system in place because that's so true. Um, also don't, don't assume there's an existing knowledge base in Mm -hmm. place. So one example that comes to mind for the last few years, I have been on, um, a grant approval. That's like a committee. That's like the pre-approvers. We don't actually sign off on the grants, but Mm -hmm. we like kind of go through the process of going through them very closely and making a recommendation to the community organization in town. Um, it's like a foundation Mm -hmm. that, then funds them. And the one, the committee I'm on is all youth and education oriented stuff. and They've got a pot of money to give away They're mini grants, so they can, they can use between, there's like one that's like a nano, it's like under a thousand, and, there's, and then there's like this whole big um, pot of money for 1000 to $10,000 grants. And a lot of those are submitted through school programs by volunteers, sometimes in um, conjunction with teachers, mm-hmm. sometimes not. Mm-hmm. And we have a hard time giving all the money away every year and so the thing they always say is like for such a small community you would think everyone would know about this but they don't or like people know but the people who know assume everyone else knows so they don't tell people and so like just something that simple like there's money out there to be spent on education Mm -hmm. but the people who could use it don't know that it exists um is just a, a good reminder that like you might be the only person who's ever had this idea, Jessica, mm-hmm. or like you may be the only person, like you, there might not be a knowledge base. Maybe that's why the garden looks sad. Yeah, like Maybe someone with good intentions started it, but doesn't know how to maintain it.
1: Or there, it's possible there is a pot of money in the PTA fundraising for campus improvements, and there just hasn't been the person to come along. Do you know what I mean? And that's right. kind yeah. of like, that's that disconnect between kind of the, the leadership level, which has so much on their plate, and then right. the boots on the ground. And yeah, it's all about that assumption, like, oh, someone must have thought of this or there must be a right. reason why they're not improving this garden. And so, yeah, and, I think,
0: maybe it's just because you haven't come along yet. Yeah, yeah. The right,
1: <laughs> yeah, the right person hasn't come along. That's great. Yeah,
0: there's all those moving parts. And anytime there's that many moving parts, it's very possible one moving part is not is not just like. Uh, in a computer, like one part mm-hmm. isn't talking to the yes, other. Yes. So your mic's not working because yes. it turns out my bra turned my mic off earlier and that's why it wasn't working. Like, <laughs> that's yes. a terrible, clunky analogy, but I'm just going to go with it.
1: Yeah. We may have had, we <laughs> may have had a few extra sound checks today before we started recording.
0: <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, Sarah, we, we touched a little bit on preschool versus, well, we talked a little bit about elementary versus um, middle, but we haven't talked a whole lot about preschool. So, yeah. Um, how is it different in the elementary school world where you've really been involved from the way that you experienced um, preschool and specifically being involved in preschool?
1: Yeah, well, I mentioned briefly that I really didn't, I did as little as possible in the preschool days because I had younger kids. And even when I had my last preschooler, probably similar to how you are with Clara being your last elementary schooler, by that point, I just, I, I had already one and a half feet in the elementary school world and I just didn't care. So, What I observed was that the opportunities in early, early education like daycare, preschool and even kinder and first tend to be around the child and the child's classroom. Um, And so there's a lot more things like classroom celebrations, um, maybe something like parties or end of year plays or end of year performances um all opportunities for parents to be at school with their child and be involved mother's day tea and father's day tea and um a, a lot of those were very special little events but what i found harder about it is that they can be hard on your schedule if there's a lot of different things to show up for um and they tend to be small like little micro events here and there throughout the year and that can be really hard on working parents schedules or if you have younger children at home um and they also tend to be kind of short focus, like once we do this little Christmas play, it's over, et cetera. And so what I've found as I moved into elementary school that actually appeals to me a little bit more is I feel like the, the ways I'm involved are benefiting our campus as a whole and our school culture as a whole and almost have lasting impact beyond my kids. And so I guess I'm just I'm throwing it out there because I think some parents actually prefer the former, what I talked about, like the um The being involved with your kid in their classroom in this very more immediate way, because it's a great way to bond with your kid and to bond with your kid's teacher. And for whatever reason, I have always gravitated to this little bit more uh, like campus wide or school wide role. So it's just kind of happened naturally from preschool to elementary school. And I guess I just offer that in case what you're experiencing now with little ones in preschool is not your style, I think it, it does change. And there's a bunch more opportunities that open up as kids get older. Let's
0: also talk really quick about, um, you know, not everyone loves hanging out with preschool kids. Not <laughs> everyone loves hanging out with elementary school kids. And even like middle school kids have a terrible, get a terrible rap. I yeah. actually really like um, sixth and seventh graders. Um, I like eighth graders too, but they see that, you know, they know they're kind of yeah about to move on and they mm-hmm. become a little more like high school light mm-hmm. and like a little too cool for school but like it's okay if you're just more into say reading to third graders than you are reading to three-year-olds yeah. or whatever the the thing is that you're trying to get in on um, part of your personality may have to do with just like which age groups of kids yeah. you connect with the best in which kinds of roles
1: yeah I agree and, and we're going to talk about this in the second half but The way your individual child reacts to you being involved at school can be a huge, can make a huge difference. Um, Some kids act out when you're in the classroom. Like, I mean, your own child, like your own child (laughs) may be extra clingy. It may cause extra separation issues. Then if you have to miss a class party, it can be a nightmare. There's a lot of um, a lot built up in those early years that seems to it's not that it goes away, but it just seems to shift. And it's been a shift that I have really enjoyed. Um, the yeah. way that I'm able to be involved doesn't feel like the same way as the, you know, preschool through maybe first grade.
0: So then what's next? Are you staying with the library or? Well, um, well. so
1: I did three. I This is my third year in the same role. And I decided right around January, like one of my kind of New Year's um intentions was to end this school year with, uh, by transitioning this role to someone else. And the reason is I would like to go out having really enjoyed it all three years. And I think it's very, the systems are now in place where it would be way easier for someone else to do what I'm doing than it was for me to build these systems. Um, and the truth is I'd like to say yes to other things. And I really Mm. say no to 90% of other school involvement things because I spend I probably average three to four hours of library work a week, which is a lot when I work, you know, I work as many hours as I can. Also, not all of those are in the library, but they some of them are and some of them are at home organizing the schedule. So um, it's kind of weird to say, like, I'm I'm going to end this volunteer role, not because I don't like it or I'm super tired of it, but because I want to I want to be able to say yes to other things and I don't want to get sick of it. And it's just right. it's, It's someone else could do great at it now. So yes, I do plan after the this May end of school to have that transitioned to somebody else. So that's kind of exciting.
0: Is there like a succession plan? I um, guess you have to create it. So what I did,
1: <laughs> no, what I did was I emailed the principal and I let her know and of course she was great. And um I've been so autonomous once I once I took this over like I really see a huge part of my role is to keep this off the principal's plate. Like if mm. she doesn't get any complaints from the other school that we, you know, were there at the wrong time or like if I can keep her plate clear of library administration, then I've done my job. And I know she's really appreciated that. Um, so I just let her know that at the end of the year, I'd like to have it be someone else. And did she want to find someone or did she want me to? And she said, if I had someone in mind, it was fine to kind of start asking around. So I do. I have someone in mind that I might ask, but it doesn't sound like it's all on me. Like if I don't find Good. someone, um, that's not really my job. I can try to help off, suggest a couple names, but it's not, that's not on, really on my plate. It's really on the administration. So
0: so do you see yourself spearheading something like this again, or do you want to just go back to being kind of like more of like a normal classroom? And, I think you know, I want to like be a free
1: agent for a little while <laughs> a agent, and, and be yeah. able to say yes to a, a few, like a, just a wider variety of things. Yeah. Um, it, it's, at, you know, when my kids entered full-time school, I felt like, oh my gosh, I have five full days. And I got really into this. This is the last two years now. I got really into kind of having my days be predictable because we were growing mm. our business. And so library was appealing because I knew which days I might have to be in there and they're blocked on my calendar. And if it turned out I didn't have to go in, then that was bonus time. But now our business is you and I have pretty predictable work rhythms. Um, I actually think now I could benefit by not having a set thing on my calendar and then being able to spontaneously pick up uh, a volunteer opportunity as it came. And so Mm. the thing that worked for me three years ago, I feel like um, can shift now just because uh, it's no longer so important that, you know, I I know what to expect on each of my five school days. But in the beginning, that felt easier, you know?
0: So. Yeah. Well, and now that you are in this habit, um, speaking of an episode we recently <laughs> did, but now that it's like part of your routine and your habit to really be part of the school week, um, I think it will fall off your radar less easily than had you not done this. So I know for myself, like right now, if I were to try to get back into some kind of volunteering, I would probably really need it to be something super re, re- um, regulated and yeah. regimented, even though it would probably take more of my time and be more responsibility. I think I would just be more likely to do it. Whereas now there's always something else. Like something could come up right now that I could, I could go volunteer at, but I'll already have something on my calendar. Right. Right. The chances of me just having an open morning to go do that are like none yeah. because I haven't set anything aside. So yeah.
1: No, yes. I agree and you also have kids in different three different schools this year. Yes. Two next year. Um I'm in this these this golden time period where all my kids are in the same place. So the idea of spontaneously picking up opportunities feels easier to my brain because it's at least all coming from a single source. So if there's right. a field day or if there's an assembly or if there's, um, it, for a while, it looked like I was going to have an opportunity to do some podcasting at school. And that fell through, which was really good because it, it would have been one too many things <laughs> this fall. Yeah. Um, but something like that, I, I can, I will be giving my energy to the one place where all three of my kids are, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So even if yeah. it's kind of spattered around my schedule and different areas, it's still going to the same place, which feels, I don't know, feels like simple in my brain. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, That's really fun. So before we go to our break, I was just going to I thought you could kind of wrap up this section by talking about how your your desire to be at school has ebbed Mm. and flowed. Maybe contrast what it was like because you've had both. You've had elementary schoolers with a bunch of little kids at home, then you had a whole bunch of kids in different schools. Was there a time where it felt maybe the easiest and the most natural compared to what it's like? You've talked a little bit already about what it's like now.
0: Yeah. Well, when my definitely when my two oldest were in preschool, that was when I had the most drive to be involved. Mm -hmm. I think that's when I thought I was. I think I had, um, the most perception of me needing to be involved Mm -hmm. too. So it's hard to say how much of it was (laughs) truly, you know, motivated by desire and how much of it was me just thinking, this is what parents do when they stay home with their kids, they work at the school. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, once I started working from home and got really busy and then had more babies, it was like, my desire was, did not exist. It Mm -hmm. was like dead. Um, and then when Clara entered kindergarten, there were a couple, two, three years there where I was pretty regular. Like, Uh, For a while, I was helping with reading in her first grade classroom. I was doing a lot of the parties, like that kind of stuff. And then I would say since she hit about third grade, there was a big shift then. I had high schoolers and middle school, one middle schooler. Well, it was always changing every year, right? right? But and a couple in elementary and my life just got really complicated. And I just kind of was like, meh. I mean, I I still do a classroom party or a or chaperone a field trip every now and then, but I haven't done anything ongoing and regular in several years now. So Clara is going to be entering middle school next year. And I really think I would really like some way to be a presence in her school. For one reason, um, as a divorced parent, like volunteering in a school on a day when you otherwise wouldn't see your kids. is great. It's such a nice little surprise for them. It's a nice little surprise for you. It keeps you connected Mm -hmm. and it's easy as a divorced parent when I'm, you know, we have this 50-50 um, split, I get this 50-50 mentality where it's almost like, well, it's Thursday, I'm not mom today. Mm-hmm. And I still am. Yeah. And there's still things that are happening that I'm going to be pulled in on and need to be involved with anyway. And I don't like it to be jarring like when my kids stopped by on a Thursday and I didn't expect to see them. And I'm like, wait, what are you doing? It's Thursday. <laughs> so I like there being some more continuity. Also, I just think Clara probably is going to need me to be present for her middle school in a way the boys didn't really care mm-hmm. much about. Mm-hmm. Um, Will, as high school now is where he's really hitting his like stride and his needs are to be taken to a lot of places and mm-hmm. signed up for a lot of things <laughs> and supported in that way. Um, and Owen, it's kind of, the jury is still out on the way he might want me to actually be involved in his high school career. But I think Clara is, I just see her maybe going through some friend issues yeah. and stuff like that. So me being on site, I think she would love it. Like I think she yeah. would love the the cool factor of it and just having me as a touch point at some part of her week. So don't you think
1: too, I mean, I have a sixth grader this year and our middle school is we're one in the same, but it's still middle school. I mean, definitely still from a social emotional standpoint. right? Um, And I find that even something as simple as being on campus enough to know a few names, like just opens up when my sixth grader may want to like share some drama that's going on at school. It's nice to know, like have faces with names. Not that I even have to like Comment or say much in right, response, You just know, but yep. Um, I think that that has been nice, and um, I do think I, I'm interested to hear how that goes for you and for Clara, because I, I, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of need for parents in middle school, but not everybody knows what that looks like, including right. myself. So, well, and
0: it's a whole new system. So you, it's like a, it's a new system to infiltrate. You yes. got used to the elementary school and how that all worked. Now, suddenly you're in a school that's bigger. The clubs are more clubby, yeah. <laughs> They're more official feeling. Yeah. And like everything feels bigger and grander. And like you're hurtling toward this high school experience. It's kind of like high school light. It, it is different. And I yeah. can see why parents either burn out or just get intimidated and don't. Yeah continue on. Yeah. So, I think there's a yeah. lot
1: of parallels. We have an episode uh, that we can link up to called toddlers versus teenagers, but there's a lot yeah. of parallels to these like burgeoning adolescents compared to when your kid is first going off and making their own friends and getting into yep. trouble and having drama in like when they're like four or five years old, where like you, you don't want to hover and you don't want to like choose their friends for them. But it is helpful to kind of at least know what's going on because. Right. They are, you know, kind of making a mess of things day after day amongst themselves. So, yeah, I think involvement at both stages is is nice or something to think about. We are welcoming back Olive and June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a mani, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive and June.
0: Yeah, Olive and June's mani system has everything you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out. (laughs) And their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love.
1: Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms.
0: Visit oliveandjune.com slash themomhour for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first mini-system. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, so Sarah, you've given us some thought and you have sort of a list of things to think about when you're new to that school environment and trying to figure this out. Like, give us your teen magazine quiz, okay? Yeah, as I was (laughs) making this list,
1: it felt like one of those one of those quizzes in a magazine where it's like, what kind of school volunteer are you? Um, So I'll kind of go rapid fire. And Megan, I'm very curious because obviously you and I like to talk about personality stuff and I'm sure you'll see your yourself in, in some Mm. of these categories. So the first category and maybe not the most important, but the first one that came to me is just the logistics of your lifestyle when you're thinking about how to get involved. So, um, are you someone right now who has an easier time committing to something ongoing? Like you help with reading groups at the same day, the same time every week. Um, Or would you prefer, or would it be easier to do like a one-time project, like plan one field trip or one party, or a lot of times there's a, there's a committee or a need for like book fair, for example, like something Mm -hmm. that happens once that's going to be more of an intense, um, intense period, but it's not an ongoing scheduled thing. So like, Ongoing versus a one time thing. Um, Another logistical thing to think about is what how you like to work with people. Do you like to work with are you better working with kids or with teachers or with other parents? And not just the the desire and what suits your personality, but also what kind of time and do you have to give to those things? So like meetings during the middle of the day may not work for you, but, you know, doing something at home in the evenings may. And and some of that is your time and others is w- like, which, which body of people are you positioned to help at right now? Because it's not all working with kids. Like we said, working with kids is not always everybody's jam. Um, and then can you do something at school during the day or should it be at home on your own schedule? So just some of those like high level logistics, I think. And it doesn't have to be one thing for the rest of your school career. And it doesn't have to be one thing even this year. But just thinking about what suits your life best.
0: So, Sarah, I know you said you wanted this to be rapid fire, but here I am throwing okay. a wrench in the works. Let's talk about that ongoing versus one time yeah. thing, because I think that the distinction there can make well it depends on the people involved. Yeah. OK, so not everyone is a good delegator mm-hmm. that will include some teachers and yes. that will include even some PTA and room mom people. Mm-hmm. So don't be surprised if you put yourself out there as willing to take on one-time work and then the work never comes. Oh, it's I like possible. That. It's yeah. all getting snapped up by someone in the inner circle, A, or B, that someone is sitting on it and never delegating it. Yeah, um, I've been, in ex- I've had experiences before where I volunteered to do things and then I got there and they said, actually, we did all the work. We don't need you, <laughs> which for me makes me want to stab somebody. Like, I just set aside time. I said I would do this thing. But like somebody had to be in control of everything and do it themselves. So just saying you're going to run into so many personalities. So even the one time versus ongoing may not be like there might almost need to be like another like a third category here. Like how quick can I be to respond? Like how pushy am I willing to be? Well, and and
1: how close to the source are you? So remember in the first half we talked about like whenever possible, go right to the source. Um, Yes. And that's not... Committees can serve of a very important function but you bring up a su- such a good point that like let's say i signed up for the book fair committee sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to know whether that means like you're going to have a lot of time and responsibility or like you said someone's supposed to delegate one thing to you and it's going to come at the last minute so i mean i guess as someone who likes to know what to expect i would go right to the source or the leadership of that particular thing and just say hey i need to know for my planning what what's involved here and like, which which piece of that can, of this can I help with in a way that works for me? So don't hesitate to go right to the source, even if it is something like a one time thing versus an uh, an ongoing scheduled thing. Um, yeah. I think that's a really good point.
0: And to maybe be a bit of a squeaky wheel, because there might the person who would delegate that to you. Maybe it's a teacher who's never worked with you before and doesn't isn't sure how much they can ask of you. like. Right you may have to make it really clear. Like, I'm no, I'm really willing to do this um, and don't forget about me.
1: Okay. I mean, in general, yeah. <laughs> I think the more specific both sides of the volunteer equation can be, the more yes. pleasant it is for everyone. I have a mom in Violet's class right now who will text me and say, I need like 84 yellow circles cut out by next week. Can you do it? And I can say yes or no. Like it's so specific yeah. and it's so, so if you're the delegator, just know people are people, you have people ready to step up, but sometimes so there's a lot of feeling each other out. Like you said, not everybody knows. Am I asking too much? Is this person good for it? Are they reliable? So if you have the ability to be specific on either side of that equation, be specific, I think. Yeah. Um, okay. So another thing I thought of that would be kind of a fun question to ask yourself is what area of school interests you from a big picture perspective? So the ones I came up with is like learning and academics. And you don't have to, we're not even talking about volunteer roles yet, but just which arena interests you. So we've got like learning and academics, the actual learning the kids are doing. Um, fundraising is huge, whether you're public, private. Um, it's a huge area of need. And I just find with fundraising, there are some people who love it and are great at it. And other people who would rather clean school bathrooms. And that would be me. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just not a fundraiser. Um so, but that's a huge area of need and um, like it's a, just a, a great way to be involved. Um, things like experiences, which would be like any kind of school culture experiences, parties, field trips, theme spirit days, um, ways to keep school morale and school culture up, teacher appreciation. Mm-hmm. These are really, um, I know sometimes on this show we have gotten a little grumpy about like wear a red shirt today and your teacher's favorite color tomorrow. Um, sometimes the way those things trickle down into the home can be a little frustrating. However, at the at the leader, you have the
0: opportunity to make it better. Uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> and
1: at the leadership level, I think there really is um, a great need to think about like what kind of what kind of campus culture do we want? And what kind of experiences are really fun? And and how can we take the pressure off staff and administration yes. to just execute it um, and do it well? So that's kind of another area. I just called it experiences. Um, and then governing and leadership so things like PTA or school board or i am starting to do a school site council which is different from the board actually it's very much like what you described Megan with the the board that you're on where we we make recommendations but we're not a governing body
0: mm-hmm, um right.
1: so that's an area where i think i'm like ready in my life to kind of learn a little bit more about boards and like how mm-hmm. i've i've been so committee averse my whole life cuz i really don't like meetings and i like I like to just do things on my own and kind of be in charge of my own thing, but I realize this is kind of like an area of growth and I don't know, you've done you've done some meetings and you've yep. been on some boards and I think yep. so so that's like a whole other area and if you come with experience in that kind of area, I think it's it's a huge way to be able to contribute. Um and notice those those ones that I went over, some of them involve a lot of time with kids, some of them involve a lot of time with staff and administration and some involve a lot of time with maybe other parent volunteers. And so you can, you can see how you start to be able to fit this into what, what you like and what suits you best. Yeah. Agreed. Um, okay. And then like the final one I thought of is just purely your personality and also your kid's personality. So introvert versus extrovert, I will let you guess which side of this I fall on (laughs) the reason I'm by myself in the library. But the extroversion thing is, it can be really great, actually, if you are in a stage of life where you've been isolated by babies and toddlers, getting into a school community can be a great way to make friends. And I have seen it happen. Our school being a startup, people bonded really quickly. And so um, I think there is a social aspect to some of this, and it can be a really positive one if that's what you're looking for. So kind of thinking about introvert, extrovert, um, also thinking about if you are someone who likes to be in control, and then in that case, either something that you're doing by yourself or something where you are the leader um, would probably be better. Or if you like to come in and kind of come into that existing system and have somebody tell you what to do and what's expected, then it might be better for you to join like an existing committee or or collaborate or maybe mm-hmm. be a co room mom or something like that rather than take it all on in yourself. Um, and then we touched on this earlier, but I think it's really important to think about how your kid handles you being at school. Will they benefit from it and really enjoy it? Um, Does it have the opposite effect? I think it's really normal for little kids, especially to kind of act out or have behavior issues if you're in the classroom a lot. And if you're aware of that, you know, you can just course correct and take action and maybe try again next year if it's not proving well. I've also known people whose kids have real separation anxiety. And so a parent showing up, in the middle of the day and leaving causes (laughs) way more stress than if they hadn't shown up in the first place. And then on the other hand, I know parents whose kids have had behavior challenges and it actually is kind of helpful to have that like set of mom eyes, like not getting over involved, but like knowing that like mom's mom knows the teacher, like mom's on campus a fair amount, like nothing's going to slip through the cracks. So I think, um, I think kind of understanding how your kids respond to you being there. And knowing that there's plenty to get involved with that doesn't involve like being right with your kid at school.
0: Um, Um, Just to interject on that really quick, both um, Owen and Clara. And I also want to say maybe Isaac had real problems when they were really little, like Uh preschool and kindergarten with me showing up and then leaving. So I only would do things during the last hour of the day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that meant I would take my kid home 15 minutes early. Mm -hmm. Like if the teacher had to deal with everybody else and didn't want me standing there. Yeah. I would just be like, OK, is it cool if I just, you know, plan and it was yeah. never a problem. So that might be a way to get around. That.
1: Yeah. I think end of I, I think I've known people in the exact same position. It's got to be at the end of the day because the, mm-hmm. the second goodbye is, 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 the worst. is harder than the one you right. had to do already at home that morning. So, yeah. Um, and then I think the last one personality wise that I made note of is kind of back to this one time versus steady, um, but more on more on the personality level. So like you, Megan, have always said you're a project person. So like you can give bigger bursts of time and energy to something that you can really see the results of and it and then it's over because it's a it's Mm -hmm. project based versus if you're someone who likes steady and predictable as I have been, well, as I am, but especially have been the last uh, few years, um, then that's going to make a difference in in what you choose. So yeah, lots, lots to think about. Um, and I think helpful to think about because if, if we don't, or if we, it's easy to have this slippery slope of getting involved in things that then become more than we were expecting or not what we were expecting. So maybe that's where we can kind of finish up today is talking about, um, saying no, or talking about extricating yourself. (laughs) Is that the right word from, from, uh, situations that aren't working out how you wanted. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you have any general thoughts. Um, I always prefer to say no early and often at the front end than get myself overcommitted. But I know other people have a harder time with that and then end up in a like in a position where you're more having to like back out. So any thoughts?
0: Well, I mean, yes, it's good to have the wisdom ahead of time to say no to something. But then sometimes you get into a project that you just didn't know. Yeah was going to be what it ended up being. I'm actually pretty good at saying no to things I know that I'm not going to want to do. Mm-hmm. What I'm not as good at is knowing that I don't want to do the thing. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I have a little misplaced optimism sometimes when I see something and think, wow, it could really make a difference. Like if I don't want to do it, I'll just say no. But if right. I think I want to do it, I'll often say yes and mm-hmm. then be like, "Ugh." and I think you get out, like as soon as you realize it's not the right fit, I think that's when you get out. The more the more entrenched you get, yeah. Um, and it can be like, a, you know, this really isn't working, but how about I do that instead? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have I to like say that. I'm out. Um, I have a joke now that i started wearing a wristwatch. Uh-huh. And this is, is totally another weird aside that really <laughs> has nothing to do with this topic, except I think you can sometimes give a really vague excuse. So the reason I brought up the wristwatch is now I've been on several dates that I want to end. Oh, and yeah. I just look at my watch and I go, kids. Uh-huh. And then I leave. <laughs> And no one ever asks me anything more. All yeah. I have to do is kind of like, kind of acknowledge the fact that time has passed and yeah. I have children and like, that's my out. Yeah. And I hate that I'm I'm using it kind of, I think I'm abusing it now. I think I probably need to stop abusing it. But it, my point is you do have kids. And if you're listening to the show, you almost certainly do. Um, Or if you're thinking about volunteering at a school, you likely do. Yeah. And if you get into something and it's just not working out, And it's having it's probably having an effect on your family. And that's legitimate. Yes. So you can use your kids as an excuse to get
1: out. You bring up a really good point, which is we tend to have this feeling like whoever we're letting down is going to think a lot about it and hate us. And we carry a lot of guilt as someone who organizes volunteers. I can tell you I have no judgment about whether you want to volunteer in the library this year or not. And I, I find myself having to say this to people because they come with, well, I'm already doing this or like I'm having trouble like getting a babysitter. I'm like, no, 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 I don't. And I don't mean this in a yeah. dismissive way, but like I literally have no judgment about whether you want to do this or not. I just need to know. So that's and you'd enough. rather
0: know ahead of time than like then someone keeps.
1: Yeah. You and know, I, I, and the I'd last rather minute probably that you not do it at all. If you think, yes, if you think you're going to cancel 50% of the time, I have such a good group of volunteers. Uh, so I, this is like, I've been really lucky in that way. Um, but if you're feeling guilty, I think sometimes out of guilt, we want, we want to keep showing up 25% of the time. And sometimes (laughs) that's actually not very helpful. No, it's better
0: just to not, it's better just to not do the thing. And
1: the other thing is I look at the people volunteering in the library and I know they have, first of all, um, all of them have full-time jobs, Mm. maybe except for one and one maybe has a part-time job. But I think there's a big misconception that in my experience, full-time working parents are not only involved at school, sometimes they're involved at school as much or more as parents who have flexibility during the day. And I think it's because working parents get stuff done. They know their schedule. They know their days off. I have two, one or two of my library volunteers are college professors. Like, they know their they know their um, their breaks and their vacations, and so I think um, all that to say, like people would rather just know what you can commit to and and right. no judgment, because I know these people have lives, they have jobs, they right. have other kids, they have kids at other schools. So if that helps release some of the guilt from the other side, I think that's been my experience across the board. Is it's not that mm. people don't care, of course they you know they care, but they aren't going to judge you for backing off. For any reason. Um, And
0: they're thinking about you a whole lot less. It's just like you tell our kids, (laughs) like, you know, no one's thinking about you. Everyone's thinking about themselves, honestly, and their own families. So in as much as you can um, gracefully exit a situation that you know is not going to work for you long term and just get out as early and as and as um, clearly as you can. So Mm -hmm. the other person can replace you. That's probably all the thought they're going to give about. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I don't know. Do you have anything anything else for me? I think we kind of we kind of no. solved it from a big picture perspective.
0: Well, I definitely enjoyed hearing your evolution because um it always it's always evolving. It's just, yeah. you know, I've been doing this like you said, parenting elementary school kids for 17 years and I have probably been through seven different incarnations of a volunteering or not volunteering mom and mm-hmm. I've still got seven more years after this one. To continue to play around with it. Mm-hmm. So there's always time. And if it's, if this isn't the season, uh, season of life for you to do that, that then that season will come if you want it to.
1: Yeah. And then I think just to bring it back to Jessica's question, I would encourage anybody who has an idea of how to help their school or an idea of how it would be fulfilling for you to be involved. Because schools are going to get the most out of their volunteers when the volunteers are contributing in ways that are a good fit naturally, right? Yep. Like I wouldn't be good at planning a fundraising gala. So I don't do that. Um, so if you have a, an idea of how you might be able to contribute, there is likely a good place for you. And so I guess I would just want to kind of empower those who feel like they don't know how the system works to just send the first email, just email the principal. Yep. Like the worst that could happen, the principal is so busy, they forward it to someone else. And you know, maybe they don't have time for you right now, but I think that's probably the minority of the cases. Uh, Most, most school communities will want to use your skills and talents. um, And it's, it can be a really fulfilling way to be involved. So,
0: yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. And just as a reminder, our monthly Spotify playlist for January, are top episodes of 2019 and Megan and Sarah on other podcasts. So again, of course that's other people podcasting Mm -hmm. who are having us on as guests. So just check the links in the show notes to listen to those playlists. And if you want to share them with your friends, it would be a great way to introduce the show to someone who's maybe not familiar with it yet. Okay, thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks,